Let us hear the word of our God, Romans 1, beginning of verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Amen. Well, as we come here now to this uh, final topic in these two verses, we come to this theme of faith. And we hear an awful lot about faith in our culture. Uh, People use it in somewhat general and everyday ways. Uh, We also hear people talking about faith in other religions, um, or that we should have faith in our governing authorities, or Uh, Even in churches, of course, we hear an awful lot about faith. Well, what do we mean by it? And what does Paul here mean when he speaks about faith? Well, with this briefly in mind, let's uh, look here at our text. And thus far in these theme verses, Paul began by stating that he is not ashamed of the gospel. And the twofold idea simply is God has removed the shame of our sin, and so We ought not to be ashamed to speak to others about Christ. Um, Paul tells us also that he is not ashamed because it is God's power that saves all who believe. It is God's power that takes us from the deadness of our sins and gives us life so that we can respond with repentance and faith. Um, But he also is saying here that the gospel itself has power because it is the word of God in this way. Um, When the word of God in the gospel is proclaimed, uh, it has power either to harden someone in their sin or the spirit uses these words and works in the heart and lives of that person to bring them to life so that they can repent and believe. Then last time we saw Paul giving us the content of the gospel. Now, uh, we must say that there are various ways that the scripture approaches the idea of the gospel, different images, different words, and so forth. Paul emphasizes the idea of righteousness. And so God ultimately is righteous, and he's maintaining his righteousness in our salvation. God punishes our sin by punishing Christ, and he accepts us because Jesus was perfect for us. And so God is not overlooking sin. He's not just letting us, giving us a free pass into heaven. God has made it happen through Christ. Um, And he has arranged his justice around the covenants. The covenant of Adam, or covenant of works, where he represents all of humanity. And the covenant of grace, where Jesus then represents all who believe. And so God declares us to be righteous through Jesus Christ, due to what he has done for us. All right, now, the last main idea here in these summary verses is this theme of faith. Now, he mentions it in verse 16 by using the verb form, right, everyone who believes. And now three times in this verse, here at the end of the verse, he uses the word faith. Well, as usual, there are all kinds of views as to what Paul means, in addition to all kinds of views of what faith means. And especially when we have this phrase, from faith to faith, you know, what is Paul saying here? And then how does the quote from Habakkuk fit? Well, let me try to boil it down here in these ways. 
Uh, first of all, let me address two ways faith is not, okay, what is not true. And so the first one has to do with what you sometimes will hear in a church. And these would be uh, more conservative churches, not liberal churches. Uh, but you'll often hear people say that faith is a work. And you'll hear it something along these lines. In the Old Testament, God required the Jews to keep the sacrifices, the food laws, the clean and unclean laws, and so forth. But now in the New Testament, the church is only required to obey the, the law of faith. All we have to do is believe. And that is the work that we are required uh, to do. So if you turn to John here just a moment and chapter 6, we read chapter 7 a moment ago. Um, a couple weeks ago, we read from John 6, and, and in verses 28 and 29, we see these words. In John 6, verse 28, they said to him, the crowds here to Jesus, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. So Jesus, in this context, talks about faith being a work. And so people will take this and say the only work that God requires is to believe. There are a few other passages that will say something similar, such as 1 John 3, verse 23. Um, but is faith really a work that merits our salvation? Is it true that in the Old Testament that their works merited salvation? Okay. Well, I think it's fairly obvious that we have to say no, right? Paul says in Ephesians 2, verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and it's not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. So if it's through faith, then how can faith be a work? If we're not uh, saved by our works, if it's by grace, then how can faith itself be a work? Furthermore, if we were to actually go down that path, then our faith will have to be perfect. Because God's requirements are perfection. In anything he commands of us, it has to be perfect. And none of us have perfect faith. Even the most faithful of us do not have perfect faith. Our faith is mixed with misunderstanding. Our faith is mixed with doubt. Our faith is incomplete. So even if we were to say, uh, yeah, we are saved by our faith, a work, then we'd still fall into a big problem because our faith is incomplete and is imperfect. Furthermore, God does not save the Old Testament Jew one way and the New Testament Gentile a different way. There are not two ways of salvation. There is one only. And he just said that in verse 16, right? right? Everyone who believes, for the Jew first and for the Gentile. All right, let's turn to chapter 3 here a moment. In Romans and verses 27 and following. Now, I, I made mention of this already. Let me say it again. Verses 16 and 17 in chapter 1 are a summary. And it's really nice to have that summary because sometimes we can get lost in the weeds, as it were. When we get into the later portions of, of Romans, he gets so detailed sometimes that we miss the forest for the trees. And so to have this summary is helpful. But sometimes a summary leaves us with questions, right? It's, there's not enough detail. And so as we look here in chapter 3, he gives us some more detail to help us to understand what he means in chapter 1. So if you look at chapter 3, verse 27, <clears throat> Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? 
of works? No, but by the law of faith. Now here Paul uses the word law as a principle, a principle of faith, not a principle of works. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Right? So if that's true, how can faith be a work, right? Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So we're all saved the same way, whether we live before or after Christ, and that is believing in Jesus, putting our faith in him. Let's look also in chapter 4 a moment. Let me read a few selected verses here. If you look at verse 3, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Okay. <clears throat> Not that faith is righteousness that God puts to Abraham's account. No, Abraham is believing God and God puts his own righteousness to Abraham's account. Uh, that's actually how the, the text reads. Uh, in verse 5, but to him who does not work but believes on him and justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. So again, faith is not a work. If you look down at verse 16, for it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but to also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. So right, Jew and Gentile are all justified in the same way. Um, and so... In some ways, I'm, I'm beating a horse here, so to speak. But this is so important because you, you hear very frequently in evangelical churches uh, this idea in one way or another. But we do have Jesus' statement that faith is a work. But he's not saying a work to merit salvation. But maybe we could put it like Paul does. It's a principle of faith, okay? a law of faith, a principle of grace. All right, now, uh, one last thing to mention here in this way. Paul never says in any of his writings, or even in Acts, that we are saved because of our faith. He never says it that way. He only says that we are saved through faith, or by means of faith. Faith is a means by which we lay hold of God and his promises through Jesus Christ. The foundation, the ground, the reason why we're saved is the power of God, the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. That's why we are saved. But we are just simply placing ourselves in God's hands, as it were. We're, we're resting in him. We're looking to Christ. This is our response. All right, so a few words in that way. The second wrong view in regard to faith is something that we hear frequently in our society and now more and more not only in the liberal churches but even in evangelical churches as they become more woke and liberal and so forth themselves and that's the idea that we have faith in faith the focus is not faith in God it's just how sincere or uh, how much zeal we have in regard to our own faith. Now, you might remember back in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, especially you had Touched by an Angel on TV or Walker, Texas Ranger or Highway to Heaven or something. Um, and this is what they talked about all the time. 
They talked about faith quite regularly, but it was faith in faith, not faith in God. Okay? And so the idea simply is if you believe hard enough, if you're sincere and genuine, it doesn't matter really what you believe about God. The content of our faith, the object of our faith, really doesn't matter, just the sincerity of our faith. And they'll point to passages like this, right, from faith to faith, or the law of faith, as Paul says. But these ideas, I think, are very easily disproven. Um, and, and let me point to two verses here. Uh, if you look in chapter 4 here in Romans, and if we start in verse 20, Notice what Paul says here. He's, re he's referring to Abraham. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced of what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Do you see the object of Abraham's faith and the content of what God said in the promise is vitally important. It's not secondary or unnecessary and then if you look at verse 24 it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up our lord jesus from the dead All right so we're we're believing in god we're believing in christ and so it's not about the sincerity of my faith and as i said a little bit ago even the most sincere is incomplete in their faith uh, but their focus here is content and object so, um, unfortunately, we hear this idea more and more in the churches today as we uh, head downhill, as it were. So, here are two wrong ideas. What does Paul mean? Especially, what does he mean from faith to faith? What does that mean here in verse 17? Well, uh, as I've said a number of times already here in Romans, there are all kinds of suggestions that people have made over the centuries, and that is certainly the case here. Uh, dozens of suggestions and so forth. And uh, up to this point, I really haven't given you too many uh, lists of options, but I do think it would be helpful to say a few things here, uh, not all of them by any means, uh, but to, to uh, bring out some that have an element of truth. And I think that will help us to zero in on Paul's point. Um, some will say from faith to faith means from the faith of the Old Testament saint to the faith of the New Testament believer. And so the Jew and the Gentile. So Paul is saying, just like he said in verse 16, for the Jew first and the Gentile, everyone who believes. Okay, there's some truth to that. Uh, others will say it's from the faith of the person who is proclaiming the gospel to the person who is hearing it and receiving and then believing. Well, okay, right, verse 15, he is ready to preach the gospel and so forth. So, all right, there's some truth to that. Uh, some will point to faith, the first word for faith to refer to the faithfulness of God, his promises and so forth. And the second word faith is referring to our faith as we trust in God. Uh, I'm not sure there's a lot of truth to that in terms of what Paul means here, but certainly it is true generally, especially as you bring in the first part of the verse and verse 16. All right, now other people will say, what well, Paul means here is that the first word for faith refers to our initial faith when we first are, are converted, and the second word for faith refers to that ongoing living by faith idea. Well, there's definitely truth to that position. 
Other people say that Paul is just repeating the word for emphasis. That from faith to faith is another way of saying faith alone. And certainly as a Reformation principle, we, we heartily agree with that idea. Is that what Paul is saying here? Well, yeah, but I'm still not convinced that that's the main point. And I'm certainly not alone here. I would agree with uh, others who would say that what Paul means here is what he said in chapter 3. I just said a few moments ago that if we have a question here in this summary, look somewhere else, you know, go through the weeds, as it were, of Paul's argument, and you can find the answer. And I think this is how we do it. From faith to faith is the same way of saying, chapter 3, verse 27, the law of faith. It's the same idea. Principle of faith. Okay. Paul is saying that the, the, the main idea here is that there's this principle of faith, not this principle of works. We don't work our way to heaven. We trust in someone else's work for us. That's the principle. That's the idea. And we do that initially when we first are converted, but we live that way day by day. We live by faith. And so it is faith alone, yes. It is because of God's faithfulness that all this is true, but the focus here is this principle of living by faith. Okay. All right, now let me um, pause and give you a few numbers again. I did this last week with the word righteousness. Do you remember there are nine different words that Paul uses in Romans, a total of 73 times in the letter referring to righteousness in some way. Well, here in regard to the word for faith, we have a similar thing. The, the word faith is used 40 times. The, word, the verb to believe, he uses 21 times. So a total of 61 times he uses faith in this letter. And obviously it's important. But what is interesting is he does not use the word faithful. The focus that he is trying to make here is we are putting our trust in someone else to secure salvation for us. Now, let me break it down just slightly here. Uh, the word for faith is used 25 times in chapter one, chapters 1 to 4. And the verb believe is used 9 times. So 36 of the 61 times are found in the first four chapters. And not surprisingly, he's trying to define what faith is and how we're saved by our faith and such. Um, and as I already pointed out here in verses 16 and 17, he uses it four times in chapter 3, verses 21 to 31, nine times. So, I mean, there's all kinds of numbers I can give you here. But the point is, this is a very important idea to Paul, just like righteousness. So we need to understand what faith is. So, what is it? What do we mean by faith? Well, simply, faith is a response we're not talking about a work. It is something that we do, but it's not a work. It's not something that uh, contributes to our salvation in any way. It is a response. It is an act of trust. Now, we do use the term in everyday ways. Right now, you are trusting in that pew. Okay? Trusting it to hold you up. You were trusting in the tires on your car to keep you on the road as you came to church. 
You're trusting that there is oxygen in the air so that you don't die. There are all kinds of everyday things that we have faith in to help us in one way or another. But obviously our point here is that we are trusting in Jesus to take the punishment that we deserve for our sin and to be perfect for us so that we can enter heaven. We are trusting in Christ that what he has done means God is no longer angry with us and we are no longer worthy of judgment. But now we are his children. He loves us. We can come to him like we just did a moment ago with Stan leading us in prayer and so forth. All right, now let's break it down even more. When we talk about faith, it's helpful for us to talk about cats. And no, Ruth Ann, we're not talking about the fuzzy ones that climb ladders on your roof. And no. <laughs> okay, now, We're not talking about the fuzzy cats, the cute ones that we pet, but cat spelled K-A-T. Okay. So first of all, <clears throat> what is faith? Well, faith includes knowledge. And so there's our K. We must have the right content. So this faith in faith idea, that just doesn't work. We have to have faith in something. Hey, what did God say? There is content that we must believe. We must know what the Bible says. Now, the question that arises here is how much do we have to know? We obviously can't know everything. None of us do. But how much do we need to know? And so you'll have differences of opinion. You remember the fundamentalists and the five points? They say you have to believe these five things in order to be a Christian. You have to believe in miracles and the virgin birth and the resurrection and so on. Uh, other people would say, well, yeah, but there, you know, we also have to believe that you know, God exists and I'm a sinner and not only the miracles and the virgin birth, and, but uh, Jesus is going to return and so on. And, and you know, the five points cover some of these things, but some want to expand on that a little bit. Um, it is a challenging question. How much do we need to know? But we, we do need to know some things. But knowledge is not enough. Okay? We must have content, but that is not going to save us in and of itself. Hey, you probably know unbelievers who have knowledge of what the Bible says. Hey, some of them may know quite a bit and even maybe challenge us in a Bible trivia game. But that doesn't mean that they are saved. So the next letter here is K-A, and A here refers to assent or acceptance. We not only have to have the content but we have to accept it. So it's not just enough to say, well, yeah, I know the Bible says Jesus died and rose from the dead, but we have to actually believe that that happened. Okay? And so we must assent to this, uh, this uh, knowledge, to these truths. But that's not enough either. Because James tells us that the demons do that. They have knowledge and they assent to it. Okay? But they shudder. They're not saved. And so knowledge is important. Assent is important. But that's not saving faith yet. Saving faith includes that T, and that is trust. 
And if we were going to summarize faith in one other word, it would be the word trust. Um, but again, you have to have the right knowledge and so forth. But the point here with T is that we are placing ourselves uh, in God's hands, you might say. We, we are looking to someone else to do what is necessary. And so uh, over the years, you'll, uh, there are different ways people have said it. Um, for example, we are resting in Christ or we're fleeing to him. We are relying upon him to do what is required for us. We are depending on him. We, are, we have confidence in his promises and his work and so on and so forth, right? And so we are trusting, just like you're trusting in the pew, but now we're trusting in Christ to get us to heaven and to spare us from hell and to restore us, to make us in a right relationship with God again. Let's turn a moment to Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, I do want to return here in just a moment, but uh, in Hebrews 11, verse 1, a familiar verse likely to many of us, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay. When we're talking about faith, we are talking about trust. We are talking about living by faith, not by sight. Now, I have faith in the, you know, I'm standing here, you're sitting in the pew. We have faith because we look at it and we're like, hey, this is built pretty well. It's, you know, I'm not bouncing up here or whatever. Uh, the pews aren't shifting back and forth. You know, so our sight is important to believe in that sense. But when we're talking about salvation, when we're talking about God that we cannot see, Jesus who did all these things years ago, we don't see him now, right? Right? Faith is in something that we do not see. We don't hear God speaking to us. This is not a blind faith. This is not an illogical faith. But it is, nonetheless, we are putting our faith in something that we cannot see. We're not living by sight. So this is another aspect uh, of this whole discussion. All right, well, as always, we could say many things, but let's come back to Romans 1 and now bring in what in Paul's mind is the um, uh, explanation of what he means. Okay? In it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And then he says, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That explains what Paul means to, from faith to faith, at least in his mind it does. So how does it? Well, let's turn back then to Habakkuk and look at his work here a moment. <clears throat> All right, now, I, some of you may recall when I preached through this a number of years ago in the evening. Let me summarize the, the points here in, the, in this, uh, this book. In Hebrews, or sorry, Hebrews, Habakkuk chapter 1. In verses 1 to 4, Habakkuk is raising the question, simply asking God, why are the wicked prospering and why are you not doing anything about it? This is very similar to Psalm 73 that we studied here uh, a few months ago. In Psalm 73, Asaph is asking the same kind of question. Why are the wicked prospering? 
Okay, remember, he almost stumbled and lost his way and so forth. So here's Habakkuk asking the same kind of question. So in verses 5 to 11, God responds. And he says, Habakkuk, I will judge the wicked. And I'm going to use the Babylonians to do it. If you look there at verse 6, especially uh, the New King James uses the term Chaldean here. Your translation may say uh, Babylonia, but uh, referring to the same place. So God's going to use the Babylonians to judge his people for their sin. So then in verse 12 through chapter 2, verse 1, Habakkuk responds and says, <coughs> uh, Really? How can you use an evil people to judge your people? That doesn't make any sense. So now in chapter 2, beginning in verse 2, God responds again. And note what he says here, verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. Now, today we might say, put it on Facebook or something. You know, Anybody can see it. <clears throat> for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Now, we don't know exactly when Habakkuk wrote, but we do know that it was uh, shortly before the Babylonians came. Some say within 10 years, some say maybe it was more like 25 years uh, before Daniel was first taken and so forth and his friends. But whatever the case, it's going to tarry for a little bit of time, but it's not going to be forever that God is going to bring uh, uh, the Babylonians against Israel. All right, now to our point, verse 4. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, right? That's why I'm going to judge him. But the just shall live by his faith. Okay. The true believer will trust in God, even when things don't make sense. They will trust in God's character. They will trust in God's promises. They will trust simply in God. Even when life doesn't make sense, right? We're, we're, we're living by faith. We're not living by sight. We take that content. We assent to it. And even when it seems totally contrary to what's going on in our lives, we still trust in the Lord. Here is Habakkuk saying, how can you use evil Babylonia to judge your people? That makes no sense. But even, you remember just a, a few weeks ago, I said something similar when we were talking about the idea of shame. When we think of the gospel message, it does sound rather foolish, doesn't it? God became a man, God dying, the resurrection, conquering through weakness, okay? this idea of faith alone and substitution and so forth. It, it all seems rather foolish. And yet... We trust that it is good and right because God said so. We are putting our faith in God. The true believer trusts that God's way is best. The true believer trusts that Jesus makes it all right with God on our behalf. So to put it another way, do you see that Habakkuk is giving us a principle of faith? Here in verse 4. God is telling Habakkuk, just live by faith. Trust me. <clears throat> now, this applies to our initial faith <clears throat> as well as our ongoing living by faith. Again, it's a principle of faith. Walk by faith, not by sight. 
God is telling Habakkuk. Paul is saying that's what we do to be saved. It's this principle. It's been that way in the Old Testament, same way now. All right, let's turn here a moment then to Galatians chapter 3. Paul is so convinced that this verse in Habakkuk proves the point that he does it again. And you might remember that Galatians was the first letter he wrote. All right, Galatians 3, verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not a faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Now simply Paul is saying, if you want to live by the law, if you want to earn your way to heaven, then you have to do everything perfectly. But we know we can't do that, and so we live according to the law of faith. We put our trust in God, just like God told Habakkuk. Now he's telling the people of Galatia as well as the people of Rome. Same basic point. Let's turn then back to Hebrews, and this time now, the end of chapter 10. Here is the other occurrence of uh, Habakkuk 2, verse 4, and, and, and the author of the Hebrews actually quotes a little bit more. Beginning in verse 36 of Hebrews 10, it says, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now let me pause here just a moment and remind you. The message of Hebrews is a word to the Jews who had believed in Jesus, but now because of that, they're being persecuted. And so they're wanting to go back to Judaism, so they're not being, uh, they won't be persecuted again. And the author says, you can't do that. Jesus is greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses and Joshua and the priests and and, uh, the tabernacle and the sacrifice. He's greater than all those things. Why do you want to go back to those inferior things? That makes no sense. So verse 36, you have need of endurance in the face of all this hardship. And then he quotes from Habakkuk. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. So I think we can effectively argue that Paul emphasizes our initial faith in Romans and in Galatians. But here the author of the Hebrews is clearly emphasizing that ongoing life of faith. Living by faith, and of course, then chapter 11, verse 1, right? We walk by faith, not by sight. So, to put all this together then, Paul is saying, I am not ashamed to tell you what God has done. His power, his righteousness. I'm going to tell you about these things. And if you believe in Jesus, you're going to be saved. So the question for us is, have you trusted in Jesus? It's easy to say that we have, especially if you've sat in a church pew for many years. But have you actually trusted that Jesus has taken your punishment as an individual and that he has been perfect for you? 
If so, okay, then we must live according to this principle of faith. Not just initially, but every day. We can't just get our fire insurance, as it were. We need to live and walk by faith. This is a principle of life, not just a one-time thing. And so, are you doing that? But Paul is going to go on to say, eventually in Romans, that we must do this. All right, well, we've looked at some of these summary ideas here in chapter 1. We're going to start next time in verse 18 by, as it were, wandering into the weeds, as he gives us a lot of details, in particular, regarding our sin here, first of all. So let's pray together. Our Father, our God, we thank you again for your word and uh, what you teach us here. We thank you for its content, and uh, we do confess our faith and, and belief in what you have said to us here in your word. Uh, Lord, we are so thankful that we can trust you, that you are trustworthy. You're not some of, like some of these so-called gods that, that change and, and are vindictive and are just no better than us evil humans. We are thankful, Lord, that you are so very different, that you are so trustworthy. And we thank you especially then for uh, sending forth your Son to secure our salvation, to be righteous in our place, and to take your righteousness so that we don't have to face it. We're thankful, Lord, for your power, and we trust that you have changed our dead hearts, that we might respond in faith and repentance. And this then gives us uh, great confidence without shame. And so, Lord, we, um, uh, we just thank you for these things and uh, pray that you would then strengthen us in our faith, that our faith would maybe someday move mountains and that we wouldn't be mixed with, with uh, doubts and, and lack of knowledge, but that we would trust more and more completely in you for everything. And so um, we pray for your mercies in this way. And we pray all this then in the name of Christ, our only Lord and Savior. Amen.